Somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with a finger on her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't start coming. Bed to the door and they hit the ground running. Didn't didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets done. So much to do, so much to say, so what's wrong with Reefsh and the Backstreet? You never know if you don't glow. Yo, never shine if you don't glow. Bow, hey now, you're an all-star, get the game on, get paid, hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid, all that glitters is gold, only shooting stars, not he wants, ask can I spare some room for cash, I need to get myself away from this place, I said yep, what a concept. I could use a little thing myself, and we could all use a little change. Well, start coming, and they don't start coming. <clears throat> you know those songs, that one, and um, and "Walking on the Sun," their other big hit. Those two Smash Mouth songs are remembered as sort of the absolute apotheosis of meathead culture at the end of the millennium, right? Pre-9-11 meathead culture. Like, not even mad enough to go and wreck stuff at Woodstock 99. Just too chuckle-headedly content with the uh, end of history and its endless buffet. They were fine. They were hogs at the trough. But the lyrics to those songs are actually filled with a, a real sense of, like, a melancholy. Like, like, like a... a, a a cry for more than what they were getting. I mean, my God, uh, fucking Walking on the Sun has a whole verse about the failure of the 60s cultural revolution and how all the hippies ended up selling out and how they left us. They, they, they uh, gifted us this hedonic uh, pleasure hell that we're all stuck in. They were singing and clapping, man. What the hell happened? And then the rest of it's literally about fucking global warming. As is All-Star, by the way. The ICU skate is getting pretty thin. Water's getting warm, so you might as well swim. My world's on fire. How about yours? Better get to like it. If you want to use yours, I don't know how that one ends. But anyway, you see what I'm saying. Their kids were hippie chicks or hypocrites. I think there is something really uh, evocative about the phrase, your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. Something about how, like our increased enlightenment, our rationalism, our cultural drive towards, uh, towards reason as the organizing principle of culture and of identity, tears us out of our bodies. It, it makes us insensitive to our own uh, lived reality of sensuous experience because we are, we are, uh, our, our brain keeps getting smarter, more refined, more abstracted from experience.
And it robs us of our ability to, to, to know where we're drifting, to notice. Because we feel like, yes, we all feel that spiritual lack, and we express it in different ways. But it is a fucking, it is a faint echo of the actual misery that the biosphere that we're connected to and that our bodies are connected to is experiencing on a moment-by-moment basis. That is a mind-breaking scream, but we only hear it muffled through the pillow like the princess in the pea. Because it's all, we know things are bad happening elsewhere. Like, well, think about what people talked about in the 90s. Like, before it was, like, global warming as we know it, there was a great, there was a, a, a sort of amorphous anxiety about ecology. Uh, you have it right at the end of the Cold War. You have uh, the fucking ozone hole. Anybody remember the ozone hole? Oh, shit, we put a hole in the earth. Fuck, it's going to cook us all. Now, in that case, the specific contributors to uh, that phenomenon, chlorofluorocarbons, are, were not essential to the maintenance of capitalism. They were extraneous. It was a good hustle. It was a good way to, 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 uh, to capitalize an element of the human experience, give people a Freon uh, air conditioner or nice hairspray. It was expendable because of the danger it posed to the maintenance of the system. But now, now that we know what was really happening, and that's why we actually were able to do something about uh, the ozone hole. The Montreal Protocols did lead to the, the ceasing of the production of CFCs. Now, the ozone hole is not gone, and some people say that the, it's not like totally solved in any way, but the trend since that treaty has been the real reduction in... Uh, CFCs that have led to a, a deceleration of the de- deterioration of the ozone. Now, that kind of shows that like, there is state capacity, you know, through the international system to address a problem like climate change, to address an externality like carbon emission, because we did it with CFCs. The problem is, is that because it's so overwhelming and dominant as a function of the system, everybody on one end of a, 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 a there's like the, if the globe is divided in half, right, between those who are sitting on surplus and those who are having surplus extracted, political capital and political power is concentrated on one end. But the misery of uh, carbon-based global warming is felt at one end at the end that is farthest from real control of political institutions. And for everybody who is sitting on, on the surplus, as, as this thing is breaking up, as the accumulated uh, externalities are now pressing up against us in a way that they hadn't before, Everybody has an ins- an un- a-, a belief beyond politics that they want to keep their position on this side of the line. That politics is about sorting people. Like, I really do think that this is true. I feel like every main current of politics, boiled down out of its uh, fantasies, what it tells itself, what is actually being pursued by Democrats, by Republicans, and I would say by the to the degree that it matters, and it doesn't really, the center of gravity of, like, socialism and, and, and progressivism to, uh, like, the entire social liberal, like, uh, 
a coalition that has like some some relationship to like a class project or another, but is untethered like all other bourgeois politics in the era uh, after the fall of American labor power. What they all understand is that they are materially benefiting from this system, not capitalism, deeper than capitalism, the techno reality of the, the supply chain, the things that don't even, that aren't even articulated in a formal ideological armature, the way that capitalism was, imminent elements of, of this thing that cohere into capitalism. Uh, that system gives me a degree of comfort, physical comfort in life that I need. And specifically that I need because I am an isolated maniac who has been rendered, uh, uh, has, has been put into a, a schizophrenic relationship with their natural environment because of how abstracted away my day-to-day experience has been from the actual biological world, like stripped of a relationship that then we fill with uh, a neurotic fixation on the self. that It's filtered through ideology. It's filtered through our identity. It's not ours. It's an illusion, but it is an illusion that we reify in order to pursue politics in a condition of crisis. Oh, shit. I know things are going to get bad soon. Who is going to suffer for it? Well, not me. You know? Most people in a capitalist structure before they're even getting to the language of politics, assumes that the people who are going to suffer for this change that has to happen is not them. Or, presumably, the people like them who they deal with every day and who can structure their identity in themselves and uh, provide them with the matrices of pleasure and pain that they seek to uh, navigate. Oh, man, I didn't know that Felix was streaming with uh, Hassan. That's funny. I mean, I'm not drawing anything from them right now. I am not competing with them at all. That that, that is an entire other stratosphere. They got fucking 36,000 people. That's wild. So if you start from, well, I'm not going to suffer, then politics becomes who is going to suffer. And you encounter wherever your ideology is. If you're a liberal, a conservative, if you're a white nationalist, if you're a a, uh, a identity politics ultra liberal uh, who wants to like overturn uh, the reward structure of Western civilization to reward those who've suffered uh, and to punish those who are responsible, reparations. The assumption undergirding all of this politics is is that someone else is going to suffer for this. And who's it going to be? And then the poles of politics are those who want to inscribe themselves politically. Like make their world, make their uh, comfort level, their social comfort level uh, universal by abolishing an other, by abolishing the other. 
That's the that's the that's the death drive at the heart of the conservative uh, reaction to crisis. It is punish those who are already weak because it's their fault they're weak. Reward us because we are strong, uh, and then carry out what needs to be done to assure that result politically. Whether through elections, whether through extra parliamentary means, this is what you're doing when you're doing politics on the right. On the left, what you really have is the exact same relationship to this question. The exact same motivating function. The exact same unaggregated lumpen identity, uh, class position, as in the, like, what people even think their class position is. Uh, As all aligned along one axis, uh, which is someone is suffering for my behalf. There is a regime that I am part of that I benefit from, and I have a relationship to it of superiority. How am I going to live with that? Now, at the point of extraction, the culture that is built, the culture that was built by early capitalism, the culture that was built by uh, in, uh, American slavery, the, the, the wage relationship in, in the uh, the wage relationship among uh, early merchants and then and then industrialists, the degree of like violence that made up the day, the amount of like actual uh, sanguinary conflict and, and, and felt human uh, misery as an experienced human misery. Uh, is the order of the day for those at the very highest levels of the social order. Uh, in, in the Plantation South, uh, Jefferson, Washington, those guys were writing their letters about the rights of man within the hearing distance of a fucking cracking whip. And that creates a culture around domination and the assertion of the self against the other that then becomes reactionary conservatism in a capitalist context. You're essentially taking the old, uh, the old order of the pre-industrial era when uh, power was concentrated in land. People's power was directly related to the amount of land they owned, not capital, not some fucking abstract airy-fairy b- bullshit. Acreage. That is what meant was meant by power. And that meant also power of over the people on that acreage. That is real power. And it is carried out in one site. That creates a culture around capitalism. And that is the Tory reaction to the bourgeois. And then it is the uh, uh, conservative reaction uh, in uh, the co- conservative counter reaction uh, to the arising bourgeois in Europe. These are all, this is all landed power trying to assert itself against capital. Uh, and it's all around a culture of, of dominating another. And that becomes the culture of the right in this current moment. Now, so when capitalism hits North America like a fucking meteor and sprouts up, 
in the uh, merchant north and in the, uh, the rich loamy soil of the south, uh, one region dominated by hard scrabble, uh, sandy and rocky soil that doesn't really lend itself to anything beyond subsistence agriculture, really, in New England, versus areas of, of very rich land that can accommodate staple crop agriculture in the south. Now, that staple crop agricultural uh, capitalist social order, the, this array of meaning around these terms, this symbolic order, call it, is forged there in, in Jamestown and in Virginia. But then up north, something else is forming in the, in the merchant cities, such as Boston. Boston is where you have the descendants of the Puritans who fled the adoption of capitalism in Europe to try to remake a communal world, a, a communal, uh, uh, a communal social order uh, in the new world, where they would not be able to be subject to capitalism's dictates, but who carried with them capitalism as their uh, undergird, uh, their undergirding uh, relationship to the world, because even though they were serving capitalism as merchants, they were. Uh, also experiencing the social trauma of capitalism. They were feeling the alienation erupt within them. They were, they, were, they were having a destabilized relationship to God and to their fellow man, and they had to flee it. First they tried to overthrow the church because they thought that would do it, and then they were driven out. And then the ones who stayed overthrew the monarchy. But over here they came and tried the, the most febril tendrils, the, the most febril tendrils, of Protestantism, the ones who wanted to try to restabilize the relationship between God and man, uh, away from the abstraction of urbanity and the abstraction of idle wealth, come to North America, but they immediately begin trading, and they create a relationship to capitalism and morality that is completely different than that is forged in the fields of, of Virginia. Here, Capitalism is abstracted. It is turned more into manners. It is more consensual. People are being exploited. People are being uh, are laboring for others' benefit, but they are not compelled by per- the point of an application of terror. There is an assumed citizenry. There is an assumed shared humanity and social order that they're a part of and benefit from or imagine that they will benefit from in the future that they believe in. There is a credulity towards the social order that exists even among the lower classes that you cannot evolve in the, lo- in the South. You cannot have that because of the, the maximal exploitation, the, the, the total rupture. Uh, they're both being exploited, but some of the uh, surplus of the exploited in the North is being packaged culturally around wages and then given back. And that gives those workers of the North a reason to go to work short of being compelled to. And of course, they are compelled by hunger, by the need for shelter, but that is not associated with the the state. It's associated with nature. It is the naturalized element of capitalism that has now emerged. Because this is still a machinery of class exploitation. It's just getting different cultural characteristics wrapped around it. And so the capitalism, and then the democracy, and then the, the, the uh, vocabulary and symbolic order that emerges out of northern industrial capital is uh, not 
about dominating. It is instead, because it isn't about watching and experiencing uh, the infliction of human misery, it is about being alone in a room, benefiting from that exploitation, but not having it intrude upon you. Well, hey, this is the perfect situation. You can live anywhere. You can, you can live in heaven on earth now because you're sitting on surplus. Congratulations. But the problem is, you know where this comes from. And more importantly, you have nothing to do to deserve it. So you develop internally a neuroses. And this is why you had a mass nervous breakdown among the Victorian middle classes that was only quenched by a mixture of religious quackery, like the fucking theosophist movement, uh, and wide-scale drug use. This period in time when you had the nervous breakdown in the urban middle class is also when you had what is known historically as the Great Binge, the moment when uh, the intersection of uh, all drugs that are possible to be synthesized out of nature uh, and the ability to access... Uh, genuine national markets for any real commodity. Like, demand could pull things into existence and pull structures of, uh, of trade into existence and production into existence. You had a moment when basically every drug you can think of that existed at the time was legal over the counter. You could walk into a pharmacist and buy it. Laudanum, uh, Every kind of morphine extract you could imagine. Cocaine, marijuana. Oh, these were all legal over the counter. Fucking uh, real absinthe. Ether. And they all got fucking hammered because they were going mad sitting on their surpluses. Their asses living in a world where they cannot live in heaven because of their guilt. That manifests as a uh, masochistic desire to annihilate the guilty self. Because they're too addicted to the pleasures, the physical pleasures of life idle. Life exploiting and not being exploited. But no pleasure that is pursued can be fully enjoyed. There is momentary pleasure, fleeting pleasure, and then there is the pleasure of the pursuit, but it is over time, it destroys the self and it has to be accommodated spiritually by some attempt to be religious, but over time, as you sit there, you read more, you think more, you understand things more, and oh no, what is science? What is this saying? Shit, now I can't even believe that there is a God to reward me someday for my virtue. I'm going to have to just continue uh, upholding it secularly because I just need people to believe that these institutions have a moral uh, core to them. Because if it's just extraction, they will see their chains. And that is why slavery is, is less efficient socially than capitalism, because it requires more, co more coercion, and is so it is therefore, oh, and it requires more indulgence by uh, the people at the top, more, more waste, more ex ex uh, exquisite expenditure, Because over time, as you're piling up the lucre on the, on the backs of slaves in the South, the experience of consumption what loses its uh, uh, novelty and has to be continually overindulged. That's why all the planters were in incredible debt, because they were all addicted to an insane uh, uh, 
conspicuous depictions of wealth and uh, indulgences. Like fucking Thomas Jefferson, he always was like, damn, slavery sucks, but I really can't afford to, uh, to, to, to free my slaves because I have all this debt. But he had all that debt because he was addicted to buying books and French champagne and fine wines. He needed to quell, quell it. He needed some indulgence to make up for the reality of living this manifest uh, inhumanity. In the North, there is no need to indulge because you self-limit, because you are living abstractly and you are able to uh, drown out that voice by recommitting yourself to public virtue. Because if you have no faith in an afterlife, but you are, uh, as I said, addicted to a certain level of, uh, of physical uh, uh, comfort in the face of this constant like neuroses that's pulling you away from uh, uh, your experiences and allowing you to live in these like abstracted realms. And so the old Puritanism converts into a secular morality of social progress. And that's like people who say, uh, you know, SJWs or woke people, wokeness is a religion, or it's like the new Puritanism. It's like, duh, this is banal to say. You're just, you're just describing liberal uh, theology. Because when you go from the, uh, the era of religiosity and religious credulity that the pilgrims lived in, or the Puritans lived in, and you come into modernity, that, 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 um, that emotional connection to like a symbolic order that used to be religion doesn't go away. It gets transferred into secular terms. It is the evolution. It is the, it is the uh, progression. It is the cultural uh, dialectical progression of... Um, of theology through uh, bourgeois capitalism. And the beauty of this is, a, is this is why capitalism is a perfect machine. This is why capitalism is the goddamn xenomorph from Alien. We have to admire its purity. Because this means that as capitalism uh, exceeds its historic uh, mandate to develop uh, the means of production sufficiently to be uh, publicly, democratically manipulated. We've reached that point a while ago. Uh, so now, uh, in the era that we live in, when capitalism is no longer a uh, progressive force in history, it means that instead of a working class counterculture generated by the collective self-interest of liberal subjects under capitalism, articulating themselves through cultural uh, structures like media, memes, a, vocab a public vocabulary of, of, uh, of ideas and orientations and actions that can be taken. Challenging this like broken uh, old battle between old and new capital, between really fixed and uh, fluid capital, between international capital and, and ground capital. This, this is a cultural battle within the ruling class. And absent a, a working class uh, counter to it, all, cult, all political in, uh, 
all political acts of speculation and, in, and investment at the, at the national level, I will say, uh, effect to engaging in a sterilely reactionary, bourgeois... Uh, it is a dialectic that can't be worked through, basically, because it has no engagement with material reality. It is a pure mind palace. It is a frictionless plane of pure spectacle where the uh, dying boomers, the last homeowners, the last people to believe in this fucking system, are acting out the psychodrama of their imminent physical demise and the demise of the system that they believed in, acting out through uh, political institutions, the Republican and Democratic Party. The Republican Party representing landed capital, the Democrats representing... uh, Fiscal capital. And so even though both these groups of people, while hanging on to, mo- to uh, bourgeois comfort for the most part, are now feeling for the first time in their lives precarity. They are imagining that their lives will be worse in the future than they are now. They imagine their children's lives will be worse than they are in the future than they are now. And that is a real thing that has infected their politics even though they are all committed, and this is the important part, to maintaining capitalism as such because it keeps them where they're comfortable. And what it, mean, what it boils down to is because we, we, the amount of comfort we need is not stable. Like the, When I say comfort, I mean bourgeois convenience of life. Lack of, uh, lack of engagement with the natural world in a condition of you know, real uh, uh, consequence. And they are, they're absolutely terrified of this fact. But undergirding everything is, that, is, is their fear of feeling less of the conveniences that stand in for pleasure in their life. Because what I am saying is that no matter who you are in this equation, whether you are a, a suburban boat owner, the beautiful boater, the, the absolute stereotype, the fuck them all, uh, like build a wall, uh, bomb, uh, turn the Middle East into glass and really mean it because it doesn't mean anything to you. Like that kind of person. And uh, the fuck your feelings, like ultra mag, who's, who we always, we all imagine when we see them in culture is like liberated in a way, like in a way that the, the uh, self-denying left, the neurotic left never can be. And then on the other hand, you have the, uh, the ideal intersectional, you know, uh, tenured professor with, with a fucking house in a college town, you know, or a, uh, like an HR department diversity officer or something. PMC, like perfect, like quintessence. None of these people are anything less than screamingly miserable in their minds. They are not at peace with anything. If they've been chasing pleasure on the right, they've been driven mad by the pursuit if they've been denying themselves the guilt that they feel in place of, uh, because what they feel instead of pleasure is just uh, an assuagement of that sense of guilt. That's all they want. They just want to feel virtuous for a minute. They pursue pleasures because pleasures are deeper and, and, and they need those. 
but then they feel bad about them. The fucking MAGA people also indulge and then feel bad about it. We do things that are bad for us, one way or another. Like, actually bad for our bodies. And then we feel the badness that that action is. And then we interpret it through brains that are seeking either virtue or indulgence, sinning or, or, uh, or, uh, or praying or whatever, No matter what it is, we are all at the end of our fucking rope because our, our, the systems that we're investing in are falling apart before our eyes and our faith in any of them to function is going away. So our ability to care about politics is going away unless we're caught up in this fantasy. And the last people to be on board are going to be the homeowners because they're the last ones who felt that there was something to get out of it. And now that they're alienated from it, they can only translate it through the cultural matrix of us versus them. The, the, the them that we need to destroy or the them that represent the worst of us. Because for the liberal, the white male patriarchy is all of the parts of themselves that they hate. All of the parts of themselves that they feel guilty for. All of the selves, parts of themselves that they blame for their body feeling, feeling shitty. And of course, the, like the pleasures they do feel, the temporary indulgent pleasures they do feel, they attribute that to their virtues, one way or the other, either because they're cool and deserve it or because they're self-denying, because they uh, give in to an idea of self-abnegation or a self-assertion. Any way you slice it, they are miserable. Because the, feel, the good feelings feel less good, the bad feelings, because they're getting older, their bodies are just in more pain, feel worse. And they are stuck with a, uh, a treadmill that is wearing out. Because it required to support it a degree of comfort that they are losing. Even if they aren't losing their house, they're losing their bodies. They might be losing their house. A lot of them are afraid of losing their houses. A lot of them have mortgages. But you know, even the ones, even the ones in the like the house where they like, paid it off thirty years ago, and now it's worth five million dollars. If they have kids, they're fucking terrified for their kids. Because if they have like more than one that they could just hand the house over to, they have no way to. Be- they cannot believe that their kids are going to have access to the life they had, and that makes them feel bad, and it makes them feel like they're not in control of their lives. And then they got to blame somebody for it. And they either blame the thing about themselves that they hate, the white male patriarchy, which is the new liberal orthodoxy, or they blame the other, that is all the things that they uh, are not vis- like uh, uh, superficially. Because we're fine reifying the self and making ourselves God. That's like When you are doing this, you're hitting the stick all day, you become God to both you and the person getting hit. But it's not coming. Godhood is slipping through your fingers. You're going mad. And if you're trying to be saved, it is harder and harder every day to believe that you could be saved given how much worse things are going. Because if you're on that end of the spectrum, you are aware. You feel like with God's fingertips, the agony of the earth. Not like vis- viscerally, of course, but every bad thing you have, every bad feeling you accumulate in your life, you connect it to this sensation. You connect it to the knowledge of how many fucking, uh, how many 
How many forest fires are currently going in California? When was the last mega hurricane? Uh, what's, this, what's the likelihood of desertification hitting the American Midwest? Like all this, uh, all this shit, if you are on the left, it is your duty, it is your, and I say this as a liberal or a leftist or whatever, your self-conception demands that you be aware of this stuff. And how many people are uh, dying in wars and how many refugees are moving across the country? How much is this system that you benefit from costing other people? How bad does that make you feel? And then you have to act. But how can you act? You can participate in politics. Because to do anything else, to participate directly in the world, and I mean this like from the perspective of just going out and volunteering to risking your life in combat with the state in a guerrilla war, in like a Maoist struggle, you are making yourself less comfortable. The stuff you're addicted to. You make yourself less comfortable. And you have to be willing to do that. Now, you're still operating out of bourgeois motives, but the reason that doesn't matter is that if you are acting, even... uh, I'm sorry. Um, but so that means that the bourgeois really have to feel it in order to move left. That is why among the bourgeois, you see almost totally the non-home-owning, uh, uh, downwardly mobile fail sons and fail daughters of the middle class. The, the AC is louder than the ceiling fan. And that means, unless you have something to do, and there isn't anything people can do that they can believe in, because all the fucking structures are broken. Like, the entire, it's, it's a bunch of people wielding empty weapons, because all the forms we have are the forms we inherited from a dead labor movement and a dead left, left wing in this country. And we're trying to build it from scratch. So, the work will be thankless. The work will be thankless, in the sense that it will not give you the psychic satisfaction to drive you into acting out of selfish desire that you also need. What will do it is the belief that you can make something satisfyingly occur. Feel like, oh, I am contributing to something that matters. Like, that is the self-assertion that everybody is being robbed of by capitalism every moment and is trying to get back somewhere. And we're all trying to get it back somewhere else. The thing is, most people are doing it as consumers. Because we only have identities of consumers. We do not have identities as workers because the working class movement that generated that identity is gone. So we're all operating out of selfish bourgeois motives, even if we're workers. Even if we're workers. We want to do this because it'll help our lives. Like, yeah, 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 I get, I get, the, I get to feel like I'm helping my fellow man and all that. But I also am going to get universal health care out of this. I'm also going to get student debt relief out of this. And maybe if we really push hard enough, I'm going to get like some sort of real cathartic conflict with capital or something that like feels like a project worth investing in. That is something that you need, uh, no matter how committed you are, to some degree, because there's no thing to have faith in. You have to build the faith through action, and there has to be a first step. And the fewer people are going to take a first step if there's nowhere to step. So we're stuck in a situation where 
Engaging in politics is people who have made the decision, I am going to participate in politics as a vent for this feeling that I have to pursue something that matters. I am going to convince myself that this action, this symbolic action, has meaning, contributes actual uh, psychic energy into the universe that pushes something into a direction. I have, I have made a mark on the world. The only way you can believe that when you put that ballot in, and you have to believe it to put the ballot in, is by investing yourself in a cultural battle that is defined at its poles by a nervous breakdown within the bourgeois. Two groups of retirees going insane and trying to annihilate one another. Now that's not what it is for people who are trailing these movements on the left or right who, who, who are more sophisticated in their analysis, but those people are largely the ones who are downwardly mobile, middle-class people, anxious about their future and their present and their uh, continued ease, but still living lives easeful enough to spend time getting enjoyment out of reading about politics and uh, consuming media about politics and making media about politics. <coughs> And yes, it is the 60s that never ended because we had this social conflict that did not result in a real civil war because it was cultural and the underlying conditions were too, uh, uh, were too beneficial. There was too much, there was still too much money to go around, honestly. There was, there were too many, mm, excuse me, there were too many McMansions to build in the Sun Belt. There was too much credit to extend to people. There were too many new consumer op opportunities for people. There were new conveniences and technologies of ease and enjoyment. It just... And it's left everybody... I just burped a little bit. And it's left everybody locked into this thing. Because all we're really doing by voting is nothing. But what is happening by all of us voting, all of us collectively making the choice, not individually making the choice, but collectively making the choice to opt for pleasure, to opt for spectacle, to opt, opt to mind palace, fun zone, opt to uh, Sudoku puzzles, basically, Uh, creates election results that then become uh, what sets up a political structure that, that we can then uh, watch more of, that we can enjoy ourselves watching. It's essentially, we go in every November and we put a quarter in the fucking jukebox. And then we get, okay, Democrat president, let's see. And then we all react to that. And we, and, and we vote to fill spaces now, there's all these other things that are uh, moving things back and forth, obviously, but all we can individually do after we voted, after we have put the fucking quarter in the machine, is just stop and gawk at the thing or do something else. Something that might not be pleasurable. 
And I really do think that while it seems depressing to say that because it seems like, oh, we're stuck on this hedonic treadmill, we can never get off because there's no culture, working class culture that can interact with us. Remember, the, the, the undergirding thing here is a expectation of momentary pleasure. The idea that, okay, things are going to get worse over time, but right now, sticking with following the rules makes my life feel good. Eventually, you can't do it if things keep getting worse, and they are. So that is the hope that then, the hope there is that that changes people's relationship in large numbers from their relationship to politics as a spectacle. It, it, It essentially shatters the spell. And I know that this, some people say, oh, this is accelerationism. That's the problem with politics as discussed uh, intellectually on the internet is that we confuse like morality with the spectacle. Just to say that you need to have a changed relationship between citizens and their material order does not mean you're rooting for it or that it's your fault if it happens. It means you're identifying a trend that absent a working class alternative, the only thing that uh, breaks down a regime is internal contradiction. I mean, that's basic dialectical materialism. The contradictions are going to get it unless some outside force does. And what then, one of those contradictions is providing some shared prosperity to keep the functions of government going while extracting maximal profits from a system of declining rates of profit. So whatever you want to call accelerationism, it is just an acknowledgement of the conditions. And then that means that you now, as a, as a person, are tasked with being aware of this fact and acting accordingly, not using the fact that you believe it as part of your identity as a uh, virtuous person. And this, I think, is the crux of it, is that what we are vampirically pulling out of our relationship to online politics is the pleasure of righteousness, the pleasure of being good people, the, the, uh, the indulgence that allows us to enjoy the uh, mere pleasures of life, the selfish pleasures of life. And, what, allow, and what, that, but what that means is that we cannot accurately engage with politics because it is through this lens. Because, like, accelerationism, take accelerationism. Whether or not you are one determines whether or not you are good, right? Like, you're a good communist or you're a good leftist, you have good theory, whatever it is, it adheres to you personally. Other people believe it, and therefore you can see it reflected in the world, and therefore you can believe it. That's a real pleasure. And it maps onto your physical pleasure, whatever your indulgence is. Watching fucking scripted reality programs, eating a fucking half a pizza, putting on the air conditioning even though it's not that warm out. All of those things relate not to all the stuff you feel guilty about, 
but to your virtue, the fact that you're one of the good ones. I know for many years, for me what it was, was yes, I would, I would vent off my guilt in two ways. One, by trying to get good politics, and the other, by uh, making myself suffer by freaking out about every feeling in my body to the point that I thought I was going to die. The hypochondria. Like, that was my way of, of essentially excoriating myself without me even knowing that's what I was doing. That's the hair shirt I put on. Is that I had this neurotic suppression of my feelings, redirecting them so that my pleasure came from my virtue and all of my pain came from uh, others, but mostly my body. Like, I didn't become, I didn't get like the us versus then liberalism a lot, I think, because I had my own body to punish me. I didn't have to be punished by the vision of another that I needed to destroy, which was just myself in the mirror, which is what liberals do. And this is to get back to the very beginning of what I was saying, why politics now is defined by two sides seeking to divide the world into those who will uh, be allowed continued access to the remaining spoils of a dying system or those who will be punished by having that uh, relationship uh violently defined downward one way or the other. Let's put it that way. And it is, and, and it is a domination not of a space, but of a reorientation uh, of space, a retreat of technological institutions, uh, political institutions, cultural institutions, social organism, to geographically essentially retreat from those parts of the world that uh, are no longer profitably engaged with. And in that zone, you will have people who are uh, pleasure about it, happy about it. This is the Republicans. This is what they want to do. We're going to sort people by how much they're like me. Least go down first. And because I have been engorging this whole time, but still feel like shit, I blame them for that. It's their fault that I feel like shit because they've created a culture, which is this, their collective expression of anguish filtered through the liberal uh, cultural lens. I'm enraged by it because it reminds me. It reminds me of, of what I'm involved in. And it connects it to this bad feeling. But it is projected outward, and so I must destroy and dominate those. And once I no longer need to dominate them, because now we have capitalism, we have technology. Thank you, capitalism. We were so stupid, the planter class, to demand this this inefficient structure. Give us fucking uh, uh, finance capital, please. This will be lovely. We can dominate at a glance and have a fun time. So they're having like their lives are just giant barbecues, but they're miserable. They watch the football game and they want to throw. They, they're miserable because somebody knelt, because uh, people not like them are being and values not like theirs are being reflected to them that they have to see it and it pisses them off. They want to get it off the screen, and their politics are about getting it off the screen. Now liberal politics, though, here you have from the position of the liberal suburbanite who is the center of the party, the assumption: well, I'm not going to suffer. So who's going to suffer? Of course, the real joke here is that the answer is meaningless because 
who's going to suffer is is who's going to suffer in exact proportion to their relation, or they will all suffer in relationship to their, uh, they will all suffer relative to their relationship to capital, their distance from capital. The farther they are from capital, the farther they are from the center of, uh, of like Western identity, the more they will suffer. But then even in the core, people will suffer. Like the white males suffer materially. A lot of them are fucking killing themselves with goddamn opiates, like massively suffering. But later in a different way than people who are suffering in a greater distance. But of course, and so politics in this steadily steadily retracting corridor is this battle between two groups who are sterilized, can't move related to capital, even though they could hypothetically, like, interdict, they can't because they're acting out of their own lobotomized, hedonized self-interest. So like me doing this, like me doing this stream is a way for me to, in the moment, feel really good. Like in, when I feel my body, I don't feel the tingling. I don't feel the, the, the little jabs in my stomach that I half the time I'm like, what is that? Is that cancer or whatever? I don't feel like the aches and pains. I don't feel like the general uh, nervous sort of the distress signal. Let's put it that way. I don't feel the distress signal of my body. I feel... You know, I feel the pleasure of a well-turned phrase, and I feel like intellectual satisfaction. I I, I see like a a, a a a piece locking into another piece in like a giant mental jigsaw puzzle. And I get to do that in part because I feel like this is meaningful. That it's not just doing that. That it's meaningful. And we're all participating in this at some degree to believe that it's meaningful. But what that meaning is, I think, is not defined by its political valence. And this is, I think, the cause of a lot of misunderstanding of the role of political media, is that there's a moralistic tinge to this that says you need to uh, justify all participation in political media by its uh, political efficacy, by its... By its uh, Definition, um, by its, um, god damn it, fuck, I can't say it, I feel like I'm getting into the weeds here, sorry, oh, right, there's two types of meaning, so this, me doing it, you watching it, can have a meaning, if it makes us feel connected, if it makes us feel like we are Orienting ourselves toward the best parts of ours of us in some way, like we're getting an idea that we can contribute to our daily life. That's meaning, but that does not. But that is different than the idea that it is a political act 
that is changing the material conditions of the world around us. And that, that is the sinful indulgence that motivates political uh, media. People making it, people consuming it. And it's, the thing though, is that it is impossible to avoid. It's, it is what it is. We are liberal subjects. This is what it means to be a liberal subject. Like, there are constraints and parameters to human uh, invo- development. And like the basic kind of, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Ontological structure of like the human, like what that means, is not stable. And so for me, what I am like dealing with is the demand to me to do something that affects political change in the world. And it's running up against the fact that, well, anything I would want to do would not be fun, you know? And like, that's still there. That's that, repul- that repulsion from doing things that aren't fun, i.e., I feel like I'm getting something done. Because you're going to have to fill in all the places where your day-to-day life is frustration, where you're not doing something that feels good, where you're not seeing a progress. Like that day-to-day feeling will wear you down unless it is coded to a belief that is fused to a, an understanding that there is a human race and that you're part of one. An understanding that, that like this action is not selfless. You know? It is not about destroying or making oneself suffer. And that's the thing, is that if you have the Puritan mind, you have to punish yourself. But it's only if you're not punishing yourself that you can really get something out of being selfless and helpful to other people. Like the socialist subject that like we imagine, it's not, nobody, look around, nobody is that. We aspire to it, we imagine it, we know it's real, like in a metaphysical sense, but we aren't it. The lives we live have not allowed that being to come into, come into awareness only as a construct, not as a lived instinctive reality, because our decisions are made deeper than thought on how to interact with the world how to map good feelings and bad feelings on the stimuli we uh, experience. That is made socially. So we're liberal subjects. But we can orient what it means to pursue the self differently. And encountering ideas is part of building that opposition. Mindful intercession with our desires and with our feelings, with our body, with our sensations. And for me, like the cycle of thought that I engage in is a, I guess it's a prayer more than anything. And I got to say that like, even though I do have a desire to do active work, 
political, like assert myself. Uh, I do think that I'm going to do more of it, and I am already doing some, but the thing is, one, I'm not really going to talk about it for the most part because I cannot be prescriptive by my own uh, understanding of my goal, role here. Because one of the things I'm trying to convey is one of the reasons that you cannot use political media as your reality is that the questions discussed in political media are not meaningful in your life in the sense that they do not really tell you what to do in the decisions that you actually have in your life, as opposed to the decisions in the game of finding the right ideology. And progress... The progressive force in history as capitalism enters its end phase, and it could the end phase I'm saying is going to extend very, very far because at every point conflict will probably be stabilized out by uh, continued withdrawal. But there's going to be an increasingly unstable edge. There's going to be an increasingly febrile and, and uh, fraught border area that is going to become a point of real contention. And that contention is going to involve people breaking out of patterns of behavior, breaking out of material relationships, and entering into new ones with new people, with new goals, and with the new collaborative vocabulary emerging out of the pursuit of those goals. I hope some of this made sense. I get at the end and I'm like, yeah, that perfectly worked. That was true. I'm convincing of myself, I'm convincing myself of this stuff as I'm saying it mostly. What I'm what I am confident of is that I've convinced myself, but I understand that there is a, an additional level of like refinement that has to happen to make it translatable to other people to the degree that I would be comfortable with which is what I'm trying to put in the book, but I'm having a difficulty with because I am a Libra. I have a very hard time making choices. And it is all a choice of editing. Because I feel like a lot of this stuff could be, could have a lot of like the, the weirder edge, like wobblier edges taken off it by being turned into like a pithier summary requires a greater degree of uh, linguistic engineering. We'll see if I can do it. I hope so. But part of what it's going to be is me getting to the point where I have detached myself enough from the egotistical desire to write something that people uh, understand and like and think makes sense and not something that's stupid. Like that is an egotistical desire. That's not faith in what I believe or what I feel. It's, it's faith in uh, protection of this, this little uh, squid creature that is uh, attached to my brain. I don't understand. See, this is, why, this is why I don't understand how this works. Not Twitch or anything. I don't understand how human communication works. Someone says, I only disagree with one small point which is that we're not altruists. We simply expanded our consciousness to see ourselves in others. 
How is that a contradiction with anything I have said? Of course. The problem is that in the liberal imagination, it is a fully theoretical, abstract relationship to people. It is not visceral. It is not, it is, it is reasoned to. It is reasoned to. It is utilitarian. And therefore, insufficient to get across the reality and to guide your actions towards communion unless you see yourself in other people. And then when you see yourself in other people, your selfish desires and your, your, uh, the, the, the uh, desire to act as a species are aligned instead of in conflict with one another, which is what they are under liberalism. No, I'm not splitting hairs, dude. They're splitting hairs by splitting those hairs. I didn't say that because it's implied. And that's what I'm saying. Getting to a point where these questions are not asked. So that, or at least not, I should say this. So these questions aren't asked in bad faith. Okay, never mind. This is why I'm, I'm having a hard time writing the thing. This is why I'm a neurotic mess. And this is why I, uh, I am absolutely a know-nothing goofball at the end of the day. And it's hard for me as, an, as a know-nothing goofball to justify my life. But that's only if I allow like a neurotic obsession with virtue, allow myself to to just get pleasure out of feeling bad, basically. I think that's the miswiring of the bourgeois liberal that, uh, that fucks everything up. Well, I mean, it does no matter what, but taking pleasure and feeling emotionally bad. The thing that says you don't deserve X, Y, or Z. When in reality, yeah, you do. Everybody does. Chill out. You're being a fucking you're being a ridiculous. Get over yourself. Essentially, get over yourself. Everybody's a fucking schmuck. Nobody chose where they wanted to be. This is all a fucking cosmic dice roll. We were along for the ride for the majority of it. We had a few moments in life where there was a lucid connection to something else that we acted on, and we maybe we should be proud of that. And, and that that is. And we're all, but we're all banging through life in the exact same chaotic uh, billiard action, and we're all drafting off of that. So fucking relax. And I think that is what prevents me from doing goofy shit, indulgence shit, stuff that's a waste of time, and what makes me more believe that the stuff that I do desire end up doing. I do because I want to help people. I don't want to just bask in something.
But also, lazy hypocrite, uh, demon who uh, spent uh, way too long just as a very nasty little creature, I'll say that. I was a, I was a nasty little creature, I'll say that. Again. <laughs> I, I used to be a piece of shit. But the thing is, I know I still am, and it's fine. I, I am, everybody is. Just do what feels right. Because there is something that feels right. That's the, I guess, I guess that's what the faith builds down to. That when you take a step, that there will be land there. And to me, that's self-evident. If you're paying attention. And I guess that's the mental battle, is, is being able to pay attention. All right, I'm a nasty big creature. I'm a big, a big old, I'm a big old uh, turd human. But as I said, everybody is just a various size to turd. Yeah, let's get some sloppy steaks, boys. Num, 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 meet them up. Anyway, thank you guys for attending my uh, streamed therapy session. Yet again, I really appreciate it. Bye-bye.